Hey, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for 13 episodes. Welcome to Security Today. This is episode 13, season one. I am the security industry's uh, most comeback uncle. So listen, (laughs) this is Uncle Bear. That's B-A-E-R underscore. You can follow me on um, Instagram and Twitter and just do whatever you want. Look, I know it's been a minute, okay? I said I was going to be back the next week and I wasn't. And then I wasn't back again. And then nobody checked on me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But coronavirus, that ish is real. And uh, things got weird. Patterns got messed up. But let's just say we're back for the final episode of season one. So I am so glad you hung in. And yes, you did. Um, If you haven't, you should subscribe to this show. uh, And go ahead and just click subscribe. That way, when we kick back into season two, I'm already writing for it. There's going to be a shorter break because we're trying to get back into things. Things have just been absolutely crazy. And we all know it. And I hope we're all staying safe. I hope we're all doing what we need to do um, to make sure that nothing incredibly crazy and bad happens to our nation. But um, yeah, anyways, if you want to support the podcast through a sponsorship for next season, you can DM me, get on every single episode. If you're um, holding it down and keeping it quality, then I might just reach out to you and uh, you'll be our shout out. We'll still have those as we go into season two. We will talk more about that at the end of the show. So first, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Look, we're going to get into how to deter cybercrime with physical security. We're also going to talk about my favorite topic. Topic, hike vision and we're going to dig into osdp which if you're not implementing you should be and it's been out since 2008 you're welcome so first of all let's talk about our season one sponsor they held us down the entire season this is the this is the end guys i feel like in the background there should be like Well, um, that's LimkeyLockworks.com. They're the door experts south of the Green Bay area. Limkey Lockworks has been in the locksmith industry for 25 years. They work in residential, commercial, the installation of hollow metal doors, smart home and access control, and you can check them out online. Follow them on Instagram. Instagram at Limkey Lockworks, L-E-M-K-E Lockworks, and let them know you heard of them here, and then ask for their autograph because they were the first sponsor of season one for Security Today, and you're probably like listening to this in 2070, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's the best security show of all time. I can't believe Limkey Lockworks was the first sponsor. I know, so reach out to them. Give them a little love, let them know who he is, and, uh, you know, the works. Look, let's do a little bit of chit-chat. Physical security and uh, cybersecurity, okay? So for the majority of the 21st century, they've pretty much just been cousins living on either coast. But as we move into the 20th year of this century, I'm sorry, I had to say that, it's more like they found out they were brothers and they moved down the street from one another. And it's really time in the security industry as a whole um, to stop 
trying to put fires out on either side of the street and really begin looking at it through a holistic lens of security. And let me just say, it's a theory that I'm working on. And if you ever hear someone say holistic security, just shout Uncle Bear at them as loud as you can. And uh, that'll be sweet justice. They'll have no idea what's going on, but you will um, be doing me a favor. So anyways, I digress. There are many ways to merge the physical and the cyber world. Now, one of those is uh, using physical security to help stop cyber attacks. The easiest way to get onto the network is literally just to physically plug into the network. The next easiest way to get onto the network um, is having someone plug in for you. So both of these methods give you a ton of access to the network. And so because of that, as a cyber criminal, the physical location is often a target. Now, if you haven't heard of physical penetration testing or pen testing, um, then spend some time on YouTube today on your lunch and uh, you're welcome. And then also it's called red teaming, by the way. Anyways, this means that many organizations are having to start taking their physical security very seriously. Not only does it protect staff, but it can also defend them against cyber attacks. So sophisticated cyber criminals will often carry out an extensive campaign of surveillance just against the business. This could be because of a variety of reasons. They may want to uh, understand what staff or uh, to target in order to easily gain the most system, or they might even be planning a physical breach of the premises. Um, to protect against this cyber threat, it's really important in the first, you know, the first line of defense is uh, to just make surveilling the property as challenging as possible. That's the first kind of key that you want to do. One of the best ways to do this is just fully secure businesses' parking lots using um, lighting, which we've talked about in this season, using video surveillance, which we've talked about in this season, and uh, really using you know maybe some SEPTED principles or something like that. It's just a really good idea just to start from the very outer ends of your premises and make it challenge just to uh, challenge just to surveil your uh, business and. This will involve not only just putting a barrier in place at the entrance, but you also may need to block off other uh, points into the parking lot. Essentially, any space large enough for a vehicle to drive through using bollards or some kind of, uh, you know, pylons or, or big, you know, they, they have them in like flower pot type things that you can put to make sure that there's like kind of one entrance, one exit type of uh, routine. That's really important because really the USB in the parking lot is a common attack. It plays on humanity, and humanity is an easy fiddle to play. So our curiosity will pick it up and put it into our network, and all of a sudden, bam, you're in. And it's way more easier than it should be, but it is something that organizations should be trying to defend against. Also, even USBs with little notes placed on them around the office or social engineering the front desk or the manager to let, uh, quote-unquote, the IT guy in. This is why the second method of physical protection is kind of hammering down on the unauthorized user. So through access control measures, also just unauthorized users can be defended against with the company culture, encouraging your employees that they're your greatest line of defense and that they have a right and an obligation to really question an intention of somebody who appears as an outside source or an unfamiliar face. That can kind of get difficult as the corporation or the organization gets bigger and bigger, um, but 
you know, if you make it known that uh, those who are on your premises are being watched, then uh, from just the company culture, then that's one way to do it. The other way is, you know, the finer major, uh, the final major physical protection from criminal justice is video surveillance. So surveilling the one who's surveilling you. So if you make it known that there are, you know, on your premises are you know, larger cameras on the exterior of your building or cameras in your hallways or even cameras in exit stairwells, you know, and making them be able to be seen. Uh, it's not only having eyes on the ground, but really just giving the impression that you do. Uh, that's, that's a great defense against someone who's trying to surveil what's going on in your business so that they can plan some type of attack. As physical and cybersecurity kind of uh, live closer and closer to each other until someday in the near future, really, living under the same roof, it's, it's just a really good practice as a physical security technician to be uh, diving into the cyber world and getting familiar. So this is just kind of an urge from your old uncle. You know, it, as we go forward as physical security technicians, whether we're doing, you know, fire, life safety, access control, video surveillance, these types of things, I know that you're already having to touch the IT and network side of things. I would just urge you, you should really push into that. It shouldn't just be like, oh, today I just need to know, you know, what IP addresses are and MAC addresses and, you know, needing to know what topology the network is or something like that but really digging in and pushing towards that area is just going to help you out as we move forward all right let's get into our product highlight so this week's product highlight is the company hike vision <laughs> thought i like get on here like oh my gosh he came around no he didn't let me tell you something hike vision pissed me off okay and some of you know uncle bear doesn't like hike okay i get on here i say some stuff everybody kind of says oh yeah some people take it to heart which i really found encouraging but whatever in episode two you can go check it out i believe it's that one but they pissed me off again okay so let's review as of late hike vision has been testing ai training in the is, Yin, is it Yinjiang paramilitary base? So Yinjiang, I think is how it's pronounced, is in is a certain um, area of China. It's like northwest, and it bans Uyghurs, who are the main ethnic population there, from participating in this training. So, however, you know, Hike Vision is now denying it, and they deleted the evidence. And IPVM, if you haven't seen them, IPVM.com, get a membership today. It is totally worth it if you're trying to stay on top of your video surveillance and a little bit of access control industry. It is worth it. IPVM, found over a dozen discriminatory uh, hike vision job ads for work located in the People's Armed Police Base. It's a branch of the PRC, the public, uh, public, no, it's uh, People's Republic of China military, and uh, it was raising concerns from many experts. So IPVM also found separate ads showing that Hike Vision continues to work on these large-scale uh, Yinjiang, I believe it's pronounced, surveillance projects. That's I'm just going to call it X District, okay, X area. Um, that's just talking about this area whose main people group is an ethnic group called the Uyghurs, who are also um, mainly Muslim. Now, Hike Vision deleted all of the ads shortly after IPVM con contacted them for the story. And they've been, you know, Hike Vision has come out and been saying that they are, you know, not 
for abusing human rights and that they're a good company and they're trying to like patter it all down. But this is really on the heels of things like in June 2018 when Hike Vision won a Chinese government tender which required that facial recognition cameras be set up at the entrance of every single mosque that's nearly a thousand in total in a part of China's under scrutiny of serious violations of religious freedoms and human rights. And human rights groups have repeatedly criticized China's government for violating X area's Muslim population rights, particularly the Uyghur minority ethnic group, some whom seek independence from China. And so China has spent upwards of a billion dollars with Hike and Dahua combined to make a surveillance state that requires facial recognition just to buy gas, and they etch serial numbers on knives that are purchased. I mean, they really have Big Brother locked down in just this area area of China alone. Hike even boasted most recently in marketing an AI camera that automatically identifies Uyghurs on its China website, only covering it up days after IPVM questioned them on it in November of 2019. The camera was a DS-2CD7A2XYZ-JM-RX, because that matters, and uh, it was an AI camera sold in China only, and that until they deleted it after IPVM reached out read it was capable of analysis on target personnel sex male or female ethnicity such as Uyghurs or Han and color of skin such as white yellow or black now whether the target person wears glasses masks caps or whether he has a beard with an accuracy rate of no less than 90 percent the PRC recognizes okay so the People's Republic of China recognizes 56 different ethnic groups in the homeland of China and Hike mentioned two the Uyghurs and the Hans. Notably, they mentioned the Han people, which make up 90% of China and are the most recognized as quote-unquote Chinese people outside of China. And then they mentioned the Uyghur people. Uyghurs are mostly Muslim pri uh, people, primarily in the, uh, the ex-district region of China. In recent years, the PRC has sent an estimated 1 million Uyghurs into re-education camps and built a highly intrusive surveillance state in that region. So, best said in IB IPVM's words is, in conclusion, Hike Vision is even more deeply involved with the PRC government surveillance efforts in the uh, Yinjiang uh, province that previously publicly was known. The fact that it has done AI-related work to the, the police base there while discriminating against Uyghurs throws cold water on its claims for caring about human rights. It also harms Hikvision's attempts to distance themselves from the PRC government, and which is their controlling shareholder of over 40% owning Hikvision. The, the government owns Hike Vision, while the company has spent millions on lobbying the U.S. government to lift the ban and the sanctions, that uh, this evidence undercuts all of their claims. So just for your old uncle's sake, like just stop putting Hike in. It's not supporting anything other than human right violating company that is in the pocket of the Chinese government, who we all know is kind of on the hot plate right now anyways, for coronavirus. So... If we could just start identifying this government, not these people, not 
Chinese-American people, for heaven's sakes, like this government alone and this company that is working together to put surveillance states over people who don't think like them but are still an ethnic uh, group that is recognized in their country as Chinese. The Uyghurs are like Chinese. They live in China. And um, so just stop putting it in. Just stop putting it in. Okay, look, look, let's get on to maybe something a little lighter and maybe that everyone else can enjoy. Okay, there, there it was. That was my big hoorah. Okay, 13th episode. Here we go. Season one. Put a cap in it. Give me a martini. Look, let's lighten the load. OSDP. Okay, here's the meat of the situation. This is really what I wanted to talk about, but you got old Uncle Bear, on, Uncle B, on a rant. Okay, so OSDP, Open Surve- Supervised Device Protocol. If you haven't heard of it, just listen up. All right, I'm gonna let you in. I'm gonna fill you in. OSDP is a standard of communication developed to improve the interoperability of an access control system. So OSDP enables a physical ad access control system to support advanced smart card technology applications, including PKI, FICAM, and biometrics, and other enhanced authentication protocols used in applications that require uh, FIPS compliance and interactive uh, terminal capabilities. All that jargon means that it's it's pretty much a new language that the card or the credential and the card or credential reader is speaking to each other. But with this new language, you gain a lot, and I want to let you know what you're gaining. The physical access control system, PACS, P-A-C-S, is rapidly becoming the hub of smart building innovation. So already the ubiquitous solution for safeguarding people, places, and things, it's now also uniquely positioned to help unleash the full potential of smart buildings, hospitals, and government offices, okay? Making buildings smart is even more beneficial than making your home smart. In a residential setting, it's convenient. It's parlor tricks. It's like I make the blinds come up at 7 a.m. and I'm a millionaire. Um, And it's putting it into a building or a commercial environment where you really start to see huge gains in being able to monitor and control everything from security to HVAC, fire alarm, lighting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So upgrading to access control systems that adhere to OSDP standards significantly enhances overall security. I mean, it's like the security starts to really exponentially grow from your standalone access system when you start to put these standards and protocols into place. Now, at the same time, it delivers other advantages that increase the value of adopting it, including increased flexibility and operational efficiency for the long term, clock and data and YGAND. Uh, which is what is primarily used, Uh, their weaknesses include the lack of encryption protocol to protect from really man-in-the-middle attacks and vulnerabilities from reader to controller. Now, these weaknesses pushed the security industry to adopt OSDP, an access control communication standard developed by Mercury Security and HID Global in 2008. It was donated free of intellectual property to uh, SIA to improve SIA to improve inoperability among access control and security products. It is the only protocol that is secure and open for communication between readers and controllers and is also being widely adopted by the security industry's reader and controller manufacturers. Now, a lot of this information is coming from security sales and integration article, which if anything, you can find all my resources in the show notes. OSDP 
also is an evolving living standard is what they call it. So it's, it's making it safer, more robust, future-proof option for governing physical access control systems. OSDP offers a variety of significant benefits. Okay, so first, it increases security through its use of Secure Channel Protocol, SCP, which supports the AES-128 encryption that is required in U.S. federal government applications. And by constantly monitoring wiring to protect against tampering, which removes guesswork since the encryption and authentication are predefined, okay? That's a big one. You can start to monitor your points and between points to know if tampering has even occurred. So with that, I want to look at really some of the gains you get when you step into the OSDP gym. It's time to get swole, okay? Listen, the number one. OSDP also makes it possible to reduce installation costs. Why does it do this? Well, it uses two wires as compared to the potential freaking 11 wires you use with Wigand, yellow, blue, green, whatever. You got to put that in. I got a Pizio sounder and all this other bullshit. Look, it allows for a multi-drop installation, supervised connections to indicate reader malfunctions, and scalability to connect more field devices because OSDP also supports daisy chaining, which enables system to accommodate many readers connected to a single controller, which eliminates the need for a home run wiring for each reader. Additionally, the use of four conductor cable achieves up to 10 times longer distances between reader and controller than Wigand, while also powering the reader and sending and receiving data. Like, it's the new thing. You know what I'm saying? Drop the old boyfriend. He's a scrub in his mom's basement. This OSDP boyfriend's got a nice car and money, okay? Number two, optimized physical access control. So the building identifies individuals and grants access to the areas of the building of which they are authorized, from the elevator granting access to the right floors, to unlocking a private office, to approved access meeting rooms and common spaces. Areas that require stricter access control can add a layer of biometric verification if needed. It supports all of that. And number three, it has seamless user authentication. So in a connected workspace, Users gain access to the company network and secure cloud applications like Office 365, which my company uses and is dope, with a same identity credential they use to enter the facility. Multi-factor authentication requiring a PIN and uh, presence or biometric data can be added for additional layers of security. Number four, OSDP has time and attendance, baby. As employees approach the door to enter the building, the same credential that opened the door can record entry time and exit time through an integrated time and attendance workforce management system. Their trusted identity can be used to establish proof of presence, providing managers with key insights and all that other stuff, and, uh, and really where they're spending their time in the building. So you can get all of this new metadata that really will tell you how efficient is your building and your organization running. Number five, secure print. Hey, the connected workplace includes centrally managed identity aware printers that offer use users the convenience of being able to securely print to really any device um, that they choose. And they can walk up, they use their credential to print it. It doesn't sit on the printer and it was last year's financials and Greg found it and yeah, Greg's gone. All right. No, look, also you can have these like 
And I don't know if you've seen them in organizations, but it's pretty common. You got these cashless cafeteria and vending spaces that are around the lunchroom. Well, this connected workplace offers the convenience of purchasing meals and refreshments through a secure closed loop payment system, eliminating the need for cash or easily misplaced credit cards because you're using the same credential. This is what OSDP is doing, people. You can't do that with YGAND. No, you can't. Now, number six, I'm sorry, seven. uh, Modern meeting room management, an identity-aware meeting room, combines a smart door lock with a smart door display to simplify the reservation process. Access can be used or revoked remotely, streamlining the process for visitors. An authenticated personalized credential also grants access to audio, visual, and conferencing services. So you want to get in and use your Crestron to get into a meeting and really make this thing like pop. You know, now you get the parlor tricks of AV in your business, you know, where you get the little pad and the windows go down and the lights draw and, you know, that dope projector comes on, stuff like that. You get all of that that you were getting at home in your residential setting as a smart home. Now you're pulling it into your smart building and OSDP is making sure that we're all speaking the same language. So now your credential can do all of these things. The grand drum roll here is one credential. This standard and credential language allows one credential to integrate what was once just your standalone security system into a bunch of other standalone systems that you had to go in, you had to have passwords, a password manager, because you had to know this, you had to know that, you had to use your credit card, you had to use your bank account, this and that and the other. You know, you had to come into here and set it up with this person and set it up with that, and then they had to know and it wasn't all, and all this other, you know, humbo jumbo, and as OSDP makes it easier to implement these transformative user experiences, it also adds security and real-world efficiencies. You're getting that encryption. You're not getting a man-in-the-middle attack as you're standing at Starbucks waiting for your coffee. We all know it. He's got that big HID pad thing looking in his backpack, and he's standing close to you. Bam, grabs it. He's in the building. Well, he's not anymore, and he's not only not in the building. He's not setting up identity-aware meeting rooms. He's not getting to print whatever he wants to print. He's not getting to do anything because it is all protected by this protocol, all right? So OSDP is and should be where our security world is going. I loved it. When I, you know, coming into understanding what it was, I am in love that this is the way that our security industry is pushing this. Because, you know, when we have protocols that allow for the integration with other aspects in the organizations while also improving the security side of our protocols, our formats, and our softwares, then we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So help push healthy things like this into our industry, please, by looking into and finding out OSDP access products and implementing them onto your sites so that we can really get the ball rolling in ways that we should be having the ball roll. There's a ton of balls rolling these days in your, you know, your politics and your infrastructure and your networking and all this other stuff that is just humbo jumbo and it's really doing more damage than it's helping. But like things like this, when you drill into your industry and you find something that you're like, you know what, this is actually making a difference. It's making it more secure and more convenient, which I know that's a pendulum that Uncle Bear thinks you can't have both things. But guess what, Uncle B? I found it and we can. All right. So look, That's it for Security Today's final shout-out goes to at 
All Green Lights LLC. Of course it does. Pierce with All Green Lights is a structure cabling wizard. Okay, his company, All Green Lights, does magnificent work, and you can see it with the 17,000 followers that he's already got on Instagram as he reviews tools, he shows work, he cable spots for chucks that should find another line of work. Look, Pierce is in my top five, okay? I'm telling you, there are only about five people that are really good on that platform, and Pierce is one of them, all right? So check him out and follow him right after this episode ends, and then send him some flowers and love notes and shit, okay? He needs it because he deserves it because he is amazing. So at All Green Lights LLC on Instagram, go give him a follow right now. Look, I have had a very enjoyable time doing this podcast. I know the last one was like this Apple teaser, and then you show up late, and it's like, well, I don't even know if I want it anymore, but I'm serious. I'm I'm really enjoying this, and the support has been through the roof, and it encourages me every day to learn and grow and talk with people who take their craft so damn seriously, okay? The security industry clearly has a place in this world, but to find such awesome techs on our Instagram platform and our Low Voltage Nation community who want to be better, who want to give the job their best, well, that's right. Well, that right there is why I do this. So I thank all of you for listening so faithfully over the season, and we shall see how this ride pans out. But for now, we will see you in just a couple of weeks, okay? I'm writing this stuff down. We're going to kick off season two, and uh, it's crucial that you subscribe to this podcast so you know when it comes out and you tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast. I know you're working alongside of people, okay? You might be six feet away, but you're working alongside, all right? Or at least you have a phone number. Just be like, hey, man, check this podcast out. I'm listening to it. It's dope. All right, and get them to subscribe. And then you can follow at Security Today Podcast on Instagram and at Uncle B-A-E-R underscore on Instagram and Twitter. And Security Today has a Facebook page, though I'm not very active on it, and uh, that's maybe a goal for the second season as platforms are expanding and this show is, you know, really starting to pay me the millions, okay? So we'll take a break, and then we'll get right back into season two, and I just really thank you so much, okay? I'm Uncle Bear, and I'm going to see you next season. On security today.